When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. All right, it's another film study as we now look at the offense of this game i warned you guys yesterday this was going to be the tougher of the podcast to break down it's not all fun like the defensive was uh but it's all right we still got great content for you ken how's it going life's good josh how about you it's going well and we got a we got a new guest that we've been excited about been trying to get him on for a couple years and josh welcome to film study Uh, thanks for having me excited to finally be here this is Josh Mustaiko, as opposed to Josh Stroko, for those keeping score at home. But Josh Mustaiko, we've known for some time. A lot of you guys know him as OC21, Organized21, or at Yoshi2052 on Twitter. All correct, right, Josh? Yes. Okay. Uh, outstanding analyst, provides all sorts of great content on Twitter, uh, on websites uh, around town, and, uh, and definitely somebody you want to follow. In fact, you can just pause your podcast now, go follow at Yoshi2052 for a moment, and then you come back and restart. You, you can do it while listening to the podcast. People can, can do two things at once. That's a, that's Use your a, ears and your hands. It's, it's, it, I, I can never do two things on my phone at once, but that's probably part of being over 50, right? You, you, 
you haven't downloaded a podcast app yet, have you? <laughs> All right, most people have figured this out. I'll figure I'll teach Ken before next football season. <laughs> and then you have to reteach me several times. There's a lot of retraining that goes on here. But Josh, we're we're thrilled to have you here. Uh, a little bit of, of detail on how Josh and I have met in the past. One of the things, the first contact I remember is you asked me some questions, but one of the things you've done is reverse engineered my offensive line scoring system from the articles directly. Yeah, I, I've done it a couple of times at this point because I keep forgetting it, but uh, that was a fun little project. And uh, Josh uh, uh, does a lot of work with scraping online. And for for those who don't know what that is, that's basically using information that's on the internet, not necessarily intended to be used in that manner, but Josh is able to to get at it, whether it's used to populate a screen and whatnot. Uh, And there's a lot of very useful football that out there. Josh, can you want to tell people more about that? Uh, Sure. Uh, At at this point, I've largely moved on to using data that other people have used. Uh, NFL Fast R is a, a great resource that holds a lot of the data that I'm, I'm using. Um, I, th- I think you captured scraping well. Um, if anybody has any questions that want to, they want to get into it, I'm, I'm happy to answer them. Come, come see me on Twitter. I can walk you through it. All right. A lot of visualization work. Uh, he does the offensive line charts that are out on the gallery on the website. Hope people will take a look at those. A uh, lot of regular tabular information on the Ravens that include personnel, schemes, snaps, etc. Uh, and we know you're st- are you still looking for an NFL job or have you loaded one already? Uh, I, I have not been that fortunate yet. Uh, so still looking. Definitely someone who should be working in the NFL, but we're real happy to have you on, Josh. Uh, we're going to do a little business. We'll come back and talk about this game a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. All right, my bookie. I uh, forgot to give Josh a heads up that I'd also jump in for the my bookie ad. Um, hopefully you guys were lucky and made some money this weekend on my bookie. If not, there's still plenty of time in this football season. Plus, there's NBA, uh, NHL, college ball, MMA, soccer, lots of ways to make money over on my bookie as well. So take advantage of their prop builder plus live in-game betting. If you if uh, the Chiefs fall behind by a touchdown, that lane's that line's gonna shift, and you can put some money on them to still win and get even better odds. So visit their mobile website friendly, their mobile friendly website today, and get your deposit matched up to halfway up to a thousand dollars by using the promo code Ravens, so that they know you heard about it on Film Study. Plus, you can deposit using credit card, bank transfer, Bitcoin, or whatever else you want to do, and just the same way you can get your money out. It's real simple. Head on over to my bookie. Bet, win, and get paid. Use that code Ravens. All right, thanks, Josh. Uh, we always start off on this sh- on the offensive show with the offensive line scoring. Not a pretty event in this game, obviously. Uh, go with the overall numbers first. Seventy-two scored snaps. There were four total sacks. One point five charged to the offensive line. Two quarterback hits charged to the offensive line. Here's the really bad number. 13 and a half pressures charged the offensive line in 41 dropbacks, and that's really bad. Uh, ample time and space on just seven of 41 dropbacks, 17% for the game. Uh, it's a very low percentage. Uh, 10 ball out quicks. Uh, there were no runs for loss charged the OL, though they did run to the weak side at least once where they had a loss on the play, but that did not go down as an offensive line charge. Uh, one false start, one offensive holding. Generally very poor pass blocking, and penalties are what held the grades down in this one. Uh, any general observations, Josh? I think the Bills did a good job bringing pressure. They knew where to attack. Uh, the nickelback blitz a lot of the time coming mm-hmm. off the, the edges were, 
was very successful. And I, I saw Next Gen Stats tweeted out backing up your numbers that with a four-man rush, they got pressure on eight of 23 snaps. With That's a five very man, high. Five-man rush, they had two of four. And when they brought six or more, that they were pretty much always in the backfield. Five five pressures on nine snaps. Uh, just I, not I a... I think that matches exactly because they had seven, six or sevens against Lamar and then two more against Huntley. So they, uh, yeah, there weren't any, there weren't any ample time and space opportunities created on those. All right, let's go through individually. Orlando Brown, uh, last week, the big news was he had 15 pulls. He had 11 more this, this week, which is the second highest total ever, uh, had a better week as a pass blocker than he did against Tennessee, uh, just two pressures. And he was probably the best, uh, at that among the Ravens linemen, uh, considering his position a B overall grade. Anything about Zeus? This is this is really your area of expertise, so I'll, I'll ask a question. When I was watching, he looked a little slow pulling. Uh, is that something that the Bills were attacking upfield and getting past him, or is he always a little bit lumbering? I think he's fairly lumbering <laughs> as a human being to start with. He does a good job of masking that on the left side by using his length well to block 12 to 6. So we talk about that sometimes as far as blocking the, blocking the pass rusher around the pocket and getting him south of the quarterback. Very effective with Lamar, and, and it's, it's one of the things that's made him still pretty good on the left side. Uh, whether he's been on the left or, or on the right, getting to level two and making a block has always been something of a chore for, for Zeus. And when he's pulling, he's always the second man through, whether it's the center or the left guard that's ahead of him. And so he, he gets, it's kind of like um, having the second of anything. You're, you're second to choose. You get the second biggest slice or whatever you want to call it. But Bozeman always gets the best opportunity to block ahead of him or McCary, and then he has to go into level two often. And unless they are actually running behind them, he usually does not get a block. He's just scored as sold, selling a fake, uh, which I'm scoring as a block in the system. Okay. Thanks, Ken. All right. Let's move on with Bozeman here. Um, he was the best of the Ravens in terms of uh, looking for work blocks. I thought it was interesting. At one point during the broadcast, did you notice that they highlighted McCary or Collinsworth started to talk about McCary as being the person who had very effectively generated a run play or a hole in a run play. But it was obviously it's Bozeman he was really intended to talk about, and they just maybe gave him the wrong name in the earpiece. But Bozeman did a, a classic combination block on both sides of a hole where he, where he down-blocked on McCary's man to tee him up and then blocked outside to hit number 24, which that's, uh, that's Johnson, right? That's Teron yes, Johnson? Yes, that's the nickelback. Yeah. Yeah. So he, he actually cleared both sides of the hole on that play, and they, they, uh, they had him highlighted, but Collinsworth was, was singing the praises of McCary on the play. I missed it. I'm going to have to look for that. <laughs> uh, I thought uh, he did a good job again on pulls, 9 of 10. They didn't pull as much. You can notice that Brown, Brown had more pulls than McCary, uh, sorry, than Bozeman, but they left Bozeman on the backside and had it be Brown and McCary a fair amount. But he made 9 of 10 on those. Real good finish for Bozeman. And one of the things, you know, we talked about this show a little bit is, do you think there's still a chance he'd move to center? I, I hope they don't, but I'm wondering what you think. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do at center. And I, I'd agree with you that probably leave Bozeman where he is. He's played well, but they do need to, they don't have an answer in the room right now. I don't think they, I would not be comfortable with the, the choices they, the options they have if they went into 2020, 2021 with them. In, in the current guys at center meeting. Cor correct. Okay. So we presume Skurro won't be here. I'd agree with that. And then we, so it means McCary. It means uh, potentially Bozeman, but probably not. It means Bredesen, which who, who has not had a shot yet, and TCC, who has had a shot and played okay, but not particularly great uh, in, in, in two 
times. The one thing we can say about TCC is he hasn't been, uh, you know, nuclear in terms of the, the snaps yet. That's uh, definitely a big concern of mine. <laughs> All right. McCary, uh, a bad night as a snapper, as bad a night as you can really have. His past blocking night was not, or his blocking night period was not that great. He had a D when you considered those. He had in the game, let me see these here, nine missed blocks, which is bad, but also gave up a pressure and a half and a quarterback hit, which for a center, that's a lot of pressure events to give up, even over 72 snaps. His, his raw score was only .75. I said, okay, he's not getting a adjustment because of the, the misfired snaps. But if you look at the cost of those misfired snaps, it was approximately the equivalent of a sack on the long intentional grounding play that knocked Lamar out, although it knocked Lamar out, so I don't even know how to put a value on it because that, that effect, effectively ended the game. Yeah, and it was more than just a normal sack. It was a 23-yard 20, loss, I think. It was a big loss. And yeah. Like you say, it was a tough, tough ask with Lamar, and then as soon as you're bringing Huntley in, we could turn the TV off. We didn't need to watch anymore. Yeah, there you go. It was a, it was a tough game to watch at that point. Uh, and boy, he came out. And he had a nice run right off the bat, but uh, but boy, he's just not Lamar is the is the problem. Uh, McCarry's other one, approximately the equivalent of a pressure in terms of Lamar. That game scooped it up, got outside the tackle, threw it away. But uh, tough night for McCarry. Uh, I, I heard that uh, Matt Skura's wife got some additional, I don't know, was it Instagram or other threats? Some sort of messaging. Yeah. That, that's just uncalled for. Don't, don't to- do that. <laughs> to- totally uncalled for. And she, in a very nice way, said, oh, that's wonderful. I'm sorry you're feeling that way. You know, it was actually Patrick McCarry who was at center yesterday. So anyway, they went, they went through a little bit of that. But uh, uh, hopefully it, it doesn't end up badly for McCarry's wife either <laughs> in, this, uh, in this deal. I, hope he, I, I don't know if he's married or not. But, but anyway, I hope it doesn't end up for, badly for anyone in the McCarry family. All right, let's move on. Ben Powers uh, had the worst game of his career at a very bad time. 11 missed blocks, two pressures, a quarterback hit, two-thirds of a sack. Uh, had the primary responsibility on that one. Uh, an offensive holding. .55 raw scores, 12 points shy of a D-. minus. There was no amount of adjustment that was going to get him up to the minimum, minimum standard. I don't think this will cost Powers his job as the starter in 2021, but I could not say definitively that's true. I think history would agree with you there it took him long enough to get in that you know one bad game might be enough to knock him out you think it might be enough to knock him out okay yeah uh i i really hope not because he's he's played overall he's played i think quite well this year he's been one of their best linemen down the stretch he'd eliminated the penalties until this game i think he'd gone either six or seven straight games without a penalty and that was a lot of his negative charges early in the year but this game obviously was a um pretty much of a jailbreak in terms of, of a lot of pass protection issues and you know you've, you've made some comments about how the Bills pro, uh, af- aggressively attacked the Ravens linemen they obviously set them up with a lot of singles when you're in the middle of the line you occasionally have the ability particularly at guard to be on a double team either with the tackle or, or more, more commonly with the center and he, didn't, he just didn't get as many of those in this game. Yeah, and and you mentioned he cleaned up the holding penalties. This one was a little different than normal, right? It was, Lamar was scrambling, and he just grabbed the guy's jersey so that he didn't get to him. It wasn't a, I got beat in the pocket and I had to hold. So right, still good news there too. Yeah, it's it was an avoidable penalty in that sense. It it it, it wiped out a big gain. I forget whether Lamar had fifteen or eighteen yards or whatever it was on the play, but it, it is the kind of thing that that was unnecessarily and avoidable. Lamar was by the guy and. 
uh, would have been a chance of, of him making the play. So, unfortunate. Uh, let's move on. The right tackle situation was horrendous, both of them. Uh, Phillips started the game. Four pressures, a third of a sack, and 37 snaps and a half. Very similar from Fluker. Four pressures, a th- half a sack, and 35 snaps, also an F. Um, to give up four full pressures, and that's what they each did. Let me just see here. We had... Yep, they're both four full pressures. They didn't have any partials in there at all. That's really bad um, at tackle, uh, in, in, especially in half a game when you consider it's really eight pressures in, in a full game. That's obviously unacceptable. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do at, at, at right tackle, but I suspect this game may be the straw that breaks the, breaks the camel's back for Fluker, that he might not be back, even though I thought two weeks ago he probably would be, that he'd be a reasonable choice to bring back as a swing tackle. Don't think so anymore. They're they're okay next year at right tackle, right? You get Stanley back hopefully to start the season. You can flip Zeus back over to right tackle, but yeah, I, I would like I would like to see a different backup tackle than Phillips. I, I think that's probably not where he ends up. I think we've we've learned, I hope from this year and I think we knew even going into this year, that you can't go without a backup tackle. And they had only two guys on the list at tackle of the year. They obviously had a plan to put Fluker there and played him a little bit as early as the opener, I believe. Um, but the whole push of Phillips out to tackle, I don't think they were necessarily expecting to do that. I think they, they, you know, they, they basically were forced into it by what they saw maybe from Will Holden in practice and from Phillips himself uh, in terms of what was going on at guard. Right. I, I think that's true. And, how did you feel about Macari tackle? I, th- I think he graded out well in the one game yeah. he played, but wouldn't hold up. No, oh, wouldn't hold up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is it, I, you know, I, I, I get beat on a lot for being kind of an arm length whore, but it, the, the, the fact of the matter is that arm length matters and it especially matters at tackle. And, you know, if he started going up against those longer arm defensive ends who weigh a lot less and he would have the ability to push them around, but they can use their length against him. I mean, I, imagine a player like Yannick Ngakwe, going against him. First of all, he's a one arm longer than two guy. He's going to be able to manipulate a player like McCary all day, including going right to the body and, and throwing him to the ground when he wants to. So I just, I don't believe it would work. Okay. I'll, I'll take your word for that. <laughs> all right. Skura was active. He made four or five blocks, but the most important thing Skura did was fall on that fumble early in the game that uh, could have been a real disaster early. All right, let's move on. Uh, we want to talk a little bit about Lamar, and I, I especially want to hear your thoughts on Lamar because I know you do a lot of, uh, of work on the offense in particular. And I, Take me through some of your thoughts on Lamar, and, and uh, I'll kind of react to them. I, uh, I'll, I'll start by saying I'm by no means an expert. I, I'm definitely an amateur here. I don't focus on Lamar in particular in any way. Um, but I, I think the Lamar we saw Saturday was the same Lamar we've really seen all season, except that maybe the pressure got to him a little bit. The pressure early, he looked like he had happy feet. Um, although there were a few snaps where he brought the ball down, looked to escape, and then realized, hey, I got some time. Let me look downfield again. Uh, he did a really good job of that. The Dobbins 30-yard pass is uh-huh. one example. Uh, I think he's sloppy mechanically, and he's sort of gotten away with that because he's so talented. But there were times Saturday where that was a problem. Uh, and I, I think if I were to ask him to do one thing in the off season that isn't clean up his mechanics, because I think he probably should have done that last season, um, 
I'd want him to work on throwing with anticipation a little bit. See, not waiting to see a guy open, but throwing the ball uh, as Brown is breaking on the post, for, mm-hmm. for an example, from Saturday. Th- throw it before he's gotten open and make that deep pass. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in 100% lockstep with you on that. I'd like him to see him out-throw the defense a lot because Brown will go get a football. He'll certifiably go get a football, but you got to out-throw the defense. And most of Lamar's passes to Brown deep, it really passes to anyone deep. The problem has really been more underthrows than overthrows, certainly when he's gotten into trouble, but also just in general. It's when he's throwing the ball deep. I notice him underthrowing the ball more than he should. I don't know that I picked up on that. I'll have to go go look for it. Yeah, got to got to outthrow the defender is the is obviously the first thing. Usually pretty good about taking care of the football. I mean, even Lamar this season wasn't an interception machine. It, it's not interception total. We'd probably want to. He had I think eleven during the regular season. It's not exactly what you'd want, but it's but he, it's not like he went overboard and and was um, what some people probably would have expected him to be with fifteen, sixteen, seventeen interceptions in a season. Yeah, I, I think that that's right where I am. Um, it's not the bad throws he's making. It's good throws that he's not making, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. We, we talked a little bit about what kind of pressure they threw at uh, Lamar in this game, but the Bills used numbers quite a bit to get after him. Four with six, three with seven. The, the seven plays that had six-plus rushers were pass left for one, sack for 11, uh, pass middle for 11. That was on that uh, third and 17 play, I believe, that went to Boykin. Incomplete, 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 and pass right for 14. So they only gained 15 total yards on seven plays when they rushed six plus. That's not taking advantage of a blitzing defense. That's encouraging a blitzing defense to blitz more. Yeah, and I, I right before I came on the show, I watched JT O'Sullivan just release a new video on the game. Um, one of the things he pointed out in the video was that there didn't seem to be very many hot reads in the game. You know, mm-hmm. these, these third and long situations, receivers were running 15-yard routes, and Lamar's in trouble. He's looking for somewhere to go with the ball, and there's nothing there. So he's uh, either throwing inaccurately before the receivers have his break, or he's taking a sack. It, 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 there could have been a better response from the offense, I, I think. Right. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're really, you know, they've talked at times about having the possibility of five vertical routes where Lamar is really the checkdown player. You can't really do that against a blitz. If, if the other team is rushing six for sure, but even five, you can't have five vertical routes on the field and hope for Lamar to get free uh, and have the same uh, you know, escapability that, that you would hope for naturally. Uh, what else we got? Two more pressures on Huntley. Um, uh, sorry, uh, he ran out of two pressures in, in the game. This is a big thing from Lamar recently. He's been bailing his offensive line out on a lot of what would otherwise be scored as pressures. And there were three more in this game. Uh, two of them were, were Fluker, where was the beneficiary of it. But he ran out of uh, two for 18 yards. Huntley ran out of one for 11 when it looked like they might score a touchdown to pull it within you know one score game again late. Uh, but it was not to be. Anything about Lamar leaving the pocket? I uh, I have to temper myself here because there are plays where uh, I want him to... The pocket sort of gets messy and he needs to move, and I want him to reset. Uh, one example is the, the long scramble, maybe one of the ones you talked about where he converted the third and 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets a little bit of... I, I don't even know that I would call it pressure, but he gets pseudo-pressure. People are around him. Uh, so he pulls the ball down and steps up. And this is a play where Snead actually breaks open on a post about 20 or 30 yards down the field. 
And if Lamar can step up, reset, and throw, he maybe throws a touchdown, but they're down near the, at worst, they're down near the goal line. Uh, at the same time, I want Lamar to be Lamar. Uh, like I said, he gained 15 yards on the third and 13. He converted. So I, I, I'm sort of having an internal battle here. <laughs> All right, well, I'll let that continue for a second. I will say at left tackle, when Stanley is there, he has a high degree of trust that Stanley is going to continually intercede. So even if Stanley gets pushed into the pocket and and jostles Lamar slightly, uh, Lamar does have a better way of keeping his eyes down the field that I've seen anyway. And even Lamar, the runner, kind of needs to keep his eyes focused downfield, taking the entire easy eye puzzle, as it were. I would say, you know, you're staring into the mirror, but you kind of have to stare further than it when you want to look at one of those posters that has the shapes in it. You ever seen this, Josh? Uh, I'm, I'm not familiar, no. Okay. All right. Well, they, there's <laughs> these posters of stars and things like this, but when you look at it and you, and you kind of set your eyes a certain way, you can see all these little zodiac shapes and other things that are that are set inside them, but you can't see them if you're just looking at them normally. They had an episode of Seinfeld where they made fun of this, but you're too young even probably to remember Seinfeld, right? I know it exists. I've you know it exists. Not seen very much of it. <laughs> Man. <laughs> All right, we're talking about a whole different uh, thing here. Hey, boomer. Anyway, <laughs> uh, in in this case, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that the the often the out of focus view of the field will still help him to see both what's going on downfield and also what's happening at the line of scrimmage, so he can pick his pick his time to dart out of there. And uh, I think it's actually something he's been pretty good at and, and when he's when he's had that trust in Stanley. Uh, Brown has given him a little more probably to worry about in terms of getting um, bebopped around the, the pocket because his feet are not as good. He has to give more ground when somebody's going in, outside, inside, outside, inside on him. And uh, and Stanley's much better at, uh, at, at not giving up as much ground. Uh, what else we want to talk about here? Oh, the the play before the pick six. Okay, so that was the play where they let use through on the right side. Um, missed the block by Phillips, who looked like, to me, probably should have picked that block up. I don't see any reason for him to be doubling somebody inside when, when use is coming. There's a, there's a lot of, in the group of, of analysts that I talk to, there's a lot of... Uh disagreement about this play that maybe Phillips should have picked him up or maybe this was designed protection that Phillips lets him through and Dobbins is supposed to cut him. Uh, I think three plays earlier they ran a very similar protection where the line slides left, Dobbins chop, or cut blocked number 90, Quentin Jefferson I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked very very similar to the design of this play uh, except Dobbins actually made the block. So missed it badly obviously on this play. Um, Either way, if you if you pick up one of two, Hughes isn't clinging to Jackson and making it impossible for him to get that throw off with anything on it. And he really needed to have some mustard on that ball with the wind. A lot of, I think, what, what happened to Lamar in this game was wind-related. Uh, and he's, he obviously doesn't have the greatest accuracy to start with, but you add wind to that, and it really greatly reduces it. I've I've never had the fortune to go to Buffalo, so I'll take your firsthand experience that the wind was a big deal up there. You know, it, it, they they kept talking about it the whole broadcast, so we we know it had to be. And Tucker missed twice, so we know it had to be. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the the one thing about the wind in Buffalo is it's it it goes very hard one way, and then it doesn't go hard the other. And this is a, every Bills game. This is a regular thing. The the wind comes off the lake in a certain direction, and and 
it's always one side of the field that you have to be very cognizant about. You're, you have the wind advantage now, but as soon as the quarter flips, you won't anymore. And so teams are extraordinarily concerned about that normally. In particular, Buffalo, uh, being the home team, knows how to manipulate that. This was one of the big problems for the Ravens is this game, is not playing the win properly. And they had big advantages in terms of their own scheme that would have helped them take advantage of that. So, okay, <laughs> let me just talk about where I'm going with this here. So if you, if you look at the, the first quarter, the Ravens were going against the wind when they received the ball. Naturally, they got to receive the ball. Buffalo had the choice of, of direction they want to defend, and they choose to, get, to give the Ravens the, the into the wind on their first possession. But that was a possession. The Ravens ran very effectively. They burned a ton of clock, and it looked to me like, hey, the Ravens, have moved the ball against the wind. And even when they got to fourth and six, I kind of thought they should have gone for it on, on that play rather than kick it. But they, they didn't, and they turned the ball over. Buffalo's got the win. Now, it's kind of two, two things in each direction. One is, if you're against the wind, it's impossible. If you're with the wind, it's tricky. And that's what we saw on, I think, the long pass to Brown that was overthrown and the long pass to Diggs that was overthrown, both to open guys on the right side. Mm-hmm. But I thought the Ravens did a, did a terrible job of managing the win. It really came to a head in that third quarter, at the end of the third quarter. So they're down 17-3. It's not where you want to be. But they had the play clock at something like 9 and the quarter clock at something like 5 at the snap. I was yelling for them, don't take the snap, don't take the snap, don't take the snap, get the wind advantage. And, of course, they snap the ball, goes way over Lamar's head. Lamar goes back, picks it up, takes the intentional grounding, takes a big hit. Season's over for him, and season's over for the Ravens. Yeah, that, that wasn't something I was thinking about. I'm generally, uh, I, I have a problem with the Roman offense when they're trailing. They're usually very, they're methodical much too long. They're, they're too slow. Mm -hmm. um, in a normal situation in Baltimore, I want them running that snap. Yes, absolutely. I, and I agree completely. If there's no wind, you, there's no reason to delay that snap under any way, shape, or form. It's one extra play, and hey, that's a good thing. It might even be two if you throw an incomplete pass. But, but in that particular situation, ugh, just throwing in that win, they really needed to, uh, to get that field flipped, and that, that really bothered me. But anyway, we were, we were on the play before the interception, and then the big play, obviously, which frankly was one of his few unforced errors of the night. Lamar threw the pick, really stared down Andrews uh, in the end zone, and you can see he's, he's not trying to make another read on that play. Boykin is breaking open in the right side of the end zone. He certainly has space to throw it to Boykin where he probably would have gone and gotten it. But he instead stares him down, which allows Teron Johnson, who's not covering Andrews in any way, shape, or form, to slide in laterally and, and make that pick very easily. Uh, you know Lamar's not looking at him on the play, but uh, he definitely uh, set the bait for him to come over with the, uh, uh, the long read on Andrews. Absolutely. And I, I, we, I'd say we know he's not throwing to Boykin in the red zone, not, mm -hmm. not on a first read. Uh, but but I know that Lamar would tell us that hey I can't look at Andrews that long I, I gotta look look somebody off yeah I, I was, that was a real bummer I, you know the other thing that I just saw today so I always have to do my offensive line score and then we have to go back and look at it again to make sure that haven't missed anything on the all 22 because we, we work originally from the broadcast so the thing I noticed was when you're looking at the end zone camera I'm very disappointed in the Ravens effort after the pick Basically, all 10 of the Ravens are looking to have Andrews make the tackle in the end zone. 
And the guy who has the chance, and he's really about the only guy who has the chance to make the tackle, is Snead. The only guy who's working for it is Hollywood. And, you know, the offensive line, frankly, they're going to be way too slow on most interceptions to do anything but kind of get in a position where they can force the guy to make a move to right or left around him that might slow him down just a little bit. Jackson was caught in the wash, so even though he's got the speed to to run him down, he wasn't going to do it either. Um, This play was all on Willie Snead to try and make that tackle. And if you look at the end zone view, it it doesn't look good. He's very flat-footed. I saw that as well. And uh, maybe what I was thinking happened is there's a lot of traffic in front of him. I'm not sure he knew who caught the ball. I'm not sure he knew it was intercepted. Uh, Probably still want him not to be standing flat-footed in the end zone. But uh, I I think he had – I don't think he knew that the ball was caught. Yeah, that that certainly could be, and and obviously you got a lot of players there who who you know had a chance to do something. But Hollywood was already moving, and he he made an effort, and then he got blocked, and uh, and he, it was really it was Snead was the guy who who had a chance on that side of the field. Oh bummer. Um, yeah, very if, tough play. If if they had tackled him there, the Ravens are very very much still in the game. It'd been disappointing as hell to not score there, not even get three there, but but I think it, that was a. There's certainly a place where they're still in the game and they could have gotten to the fourth quarter with the wind advantage and still had an opportunity there. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, let's move on to any kind of scheme things you'd like to talk about. Uh, I'll let you start this. I know you you watch a lot of of in particular formational stuff and how the Bills may be adjusted to Ravens' offensive scheme. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so the the Ravens, when when Boyle went down in week week nine against the Patriots, the Ravens had to figure out how to fix this 11 personnel problem, right? They, they like to run 11 personnel with Boyle, and now they can do you put Andrews out there. Uh, and they had a, a few different answers that they've come up with. They, they used ex- an extra offensive lineman. You, you mentioned Skura had five snaps at, mm-hmm. uh, Saturday. Uh, but w- one of the other methods was they, they just put Ricard at tight end. Uh, so they would, they would come out in what I would call 20 personnel. I, I treat Ricard like a running back. Uh, so they so- Let's be clear. And this is this is important here because we, we you can do you can do this two different ways. So you you call him a running back when he's in there, and that's not judging where he's lining up. So you're 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 acting like the opposing defensive coordinator would, having to call your package off the personnel off the on the field rather than where they're lining up. That's correct. I, I'm thinking about some ways to adjust that next season for players mm-hmm. like Ricard who line up in so many different places, or like Jihad Ward. Um, who I don't know whether to treat as an outside linebacker or a defensive lineman. Uh, <laughs> they, they sort of go all over the place. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm treating Ricard as a running back, regardless, even if he lines up as an inline tight end. I, that's 20 personnel to me. Okay. Uh, and I, I make notes of this is 20 personnel with Ricard, and then maybe, uh, maybe in the future I will say he lined where he lined up. Uh, anyway, that if you're in 20 personnel, you have three wide receivers on the field, and. Uh, for the Ravens, most of the time that was Brown, Boykin, and Snead, and certainly the Titans last week. And I, I, I would have to go back and check to make sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure most of the teams down the stretch would play nickel defense against that, that mm-hmm. personnel. Uh, you wanna, you want your nickel back in to cover the third wide receiver. Something interesting that the Bills did, uh, they stayed in their base defense against that. They, they left AJ Klein, their, their third linebacker, on the field. They, they didn't want to bring in Teron Johnson. Uh, and they were very effective uh, stopping 20 personnel. I think the Ravens ran, it was only seven snaps from 20, uh, but they gained four yards total. Uh, they were sacked wow. twice. Uh, 
and they threw an incomplete pass. No, they were sacked twice, and Lamar scrambled for four yards. Uh, Who so was Klein set to cover? Was he on the slot, or was he always on Boykin, or where was I, he? I didn't look that, that close into it. I doubt he was ever on Boykin. Boykin's almost always lining up outside. Um, I'd guess that it's Snead, but the Bills were also playing a lot of zone, I think, right? So it wasn't even like he had a man. It was more like he was covering an area of the field. Uh, one other interesting thing about 20 personnel is the Ravens had a huge, huge run tendency during the regular season and even against the Titans. I, I think I came up with 91 snaps of 20 personnel in that, well, throughout the season. And they, they ran the ball in something like 75 of those 91 snaps. <laughs> so if, if you're going to run the ball anyway, I, I can play my base defense. I don't need to worry about covering the wide receiver. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. And, and so obviously they picked up on that tendency. They wanted seven heavies on the field. It's interesting because Klein is one of the worst tacklers in the entire league. It's, it's been, he's been terrible this year. I mean, oh. he's, uh, he's about two points worse, I want to say, than Patrick Queen in terms of percentage of tackles that he actually makes. That's, uh, that's quite bad. Yeah. That's, <laughs> and it's disheartening given uh, I remember a, a play in that, in that third quarter drive when they are going. They get Andrews one-on-one with Klein in space, and Andrews can't, can't get free. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, I didn't have that information when I was watching earlier. That makes yeah. it a little bit worse. Now, I, I took a look at uh, the pro football reference numbers for this. I think that's where they had him at 18.5% coming into this game. So and that uh-huh. may not have included the first playoff game for the Bills. It might just be regular season. But, you know, I don't think the point is lost here either yeah. way. That, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, it's so pretty bad. One in five times he misses a tackle? Is that what? Yeah, almost that. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so, uh, and, and Queen, unfortunately, about one in six this year. So uh, hasn't been good. Um, okay. Uh, other scheme notes. That's a great one because I well, didn't know that at all. I just want to tie one, one more thing back in here. There's a lot of talk that Roman's predictable, that he – he uh, doesn't change it up. He, he wants to run what he wants to run. I think the 20 personnel thing is a, a great example of him building a tendency. He, he took about 90 snaps, and he ran the ball 70, 75% of the time. And then in the playoff game, they actually dropped back on three of the seven plays. They just weren't successful. They they had two sacks from the pressure. The offensive line couldn't hold up, and uh, then Lamar scram- ended up scrambling on the other. I, I don't quite remember which play that was. Uh, I don't know if he missed a read or, or what happened. Uh, but th- that's an example of Roman. You got to build a tendency to break it, and right. I think he does a lot of that. That's that's a great point. So they self scouted. They realized that hey, we always run out of this, and then they decided hey, tell you what, we're going to be tricky if we're going to pass out of this, and they made it different. This is just a bad night to have pass be your ultimate alternate thing. Uh, you know, it's a tough night for passing. So most of what they had to do with the run was set it up in a way that it could be effective without really the pass being part of it. And that's why I wasn't really as hip on the counter plays in this game that I thought they didn't really present the same kind of three-headed monster threat that they had in previous weeks where, you know, if, okay, let's say they're running a typical counter from left to right with a, with a left tackle and left guard pulling. That they've done a lot of different things. They've, they've had... 30, they've had uh, Edwards as a lead block for some Jackson runs that are largely up the middle or just slightly off tackle to the weak side. They've done some where, where they've had a run that runs behind the two-man pull, but they seem to do less of that than, than usual. They've done some with jet motion where they get somebody to that side, and they've done some where the sidecar is 
uh, opposite the counter, and that's the motion that can go in that direction as well. So they have a lot of different ways they can run it, but but it just seems to me like there wasn't enough of a second and third option to, to make it effective with a tightly packed box that the Bills presented against a, on a night where passing was very difficult. So, so it's interesting you say that because one of the things that I, I thought I picked up on early was that the Bills were ready for that. They were ready to cover multiple uh, different options, and I thought they did a very good job of it. Uh, on the opening opening drive, I think they had a, a few struggles where they had a guy who was in the right place. Uh, in particular, I'm, I'm remembering a Lamar scramble right, or a, sorry, a Lamar carry right for seven, mm-hmm. where there's a safety ready to take Lamar out. He's, he's in position, but he takes one or two steps in on the fake to Edwards, and Lamar beats him to the edge. And I think early on, there were a few cases where the Bills were in position to make a play and took themselves out of it, especially on that first drive. Uh, and then as the game carried on, as they saw more and more of these fakes, as they saw more and more of these uh, handoffs, they stayed home and they took away that. They took away all the options. Right. They were they were outstanding on that first drive. That was definitely the best Ravens generalized running of the game. Was getting moving there on that first drive. It looked. I tell you what, it looked after like three plays, like the Ravens were not going to be beat. You know, it ran for 12, ran for 10, ran for nine. And that's the fallacy of the small sample. <laughs> and then we understood that the they made some pretty good adjustments and they figured out how to stop the run. And I, I agree with you that how they used their extra um, defender that they would rotate down onto the edge was very effective in this game. And that's part of the problem is that there's still, even when they were presenting these looks that could go in multiple ways like the counters, it's not like they didn't have all of those covered at the expense of passing options that the Ravens then did not take advantage of. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a great point that the passing game needed. Normally the run game is setting up the Baltimore passing game. Well, this was a game where we needed to see the, the opposite direction. Let the pass game set up the run game. The Ravens this game went with 22 on offense instead of just 21 against Tennessee. It's uh, an, an, an addition where... You know, one of the potential additions, and it would have required a roster move as well, would have been bring a big J. Ron curse up, provide some of that additional uh, support as a pass defender, whether that would have been as a dime, third safety in the dime, or a third safety in the quarter if they had wanted to do that. But obviously this was a game where the Bills played very extensively in and, and passed the ball very extensively. And I don't think either Curse's tackling or his... Um, ability to be on the field as a cover guy for some of those shorter routes uh, would have hurt it all. Yeah, and the I, I don't know what to, to think about J. Ron Curse. Obviously, the Ravens went out and got him um, when he was available. Uh, they, they had a few opportunities to bring him up, and they chose to. They elevated, I think, Nate Brooks once and Pierre Desir uh, mm-hmm. a second time. So I think those were both before he showed up. I think. Because Kerr okay. showed up, I think, with two weeks left in the regular season. So I might be wrong. Nate Brooks might have been up as the fifth cornerback in a game where Curse was available, but not 100% sure of that. Okay. And if it was, it was the first week that Curse was here. So that, mm-hmm. that makes sense anyway. Uh, I, I It surely would have been nice to, to see something from him, to know what you're going to get. Um, I'm, I'm just not sure that the playoffs is the time to, to bring the, the new guy up. Right. They they don't have him next year. He's an un, he's an unrestricted free agent. So he's he's already been in the league 4 years. They had him for a very cheap price for this run, but he was a, he's a now player. He's not a future player. 
So just to make that clear, he's a, he's a unrestricted free agent. Maybe the Ravens sign him. Maybe they don't. Uh, he's a hulking safety at 6'4", and they just signed another hulking safety today to a futures deal. I don't know if you heard about that today. But Westy or Westby, a guy from, from the Cowboys practice squad they signed, also 6'4". I, I hadn't heard about that. I saw they made a bunch of moves, but... Yeah. hadn't looked into them yet. Yeah, both of them were the were, were the Ravens their own guys, but they signed a couple of players who were from other organizations and and this was this was the big one, this big safety. All right, so let's see what else we got going on here. Um anything else about scheme that you want to talk about? Uh I was just going to mention uh, we, we talked about it a little bit already about the Bills shutting down the run game, but to, to put some numbers on it, I'm a numbers guy. In, in the game the Ravens carried uh, excluding quarterback scrambles, they, they carried 26 times for 95 yards, uh, which is it's okay. It's 3.7 yards per carry, but eight carries for 45 yards came on the opening drive. Right, uh, and that that leaves not not very much for the rest of the game, and in particular on first down, uh, they carried 14 times for 56 yards, which you know four yards per carry on first down sounds good, and until we point out that four of those f- for 38 yards came on the opening drive again. Right, and, and after that, they they were awful. They carried ten times for eighteen yards, and uh, we talked about the needing to pass to set up the run, and and probably that needed to happen a little bit on first down, in the in the middle quarters, second and third quarter, uh, and instead we were in a lot of second and long. Right, I mean, I, I I think I'd go back to the win and say the second quarter was the one they really had a chance to do more in terms of passing to set up the run or passing period. Um, that, that was when their offense was going to be dangerous. And uh, if they pass the ball there, they also lengthen the quarter. So I like it more from that standpoint, too. It's just, you know, it seemed like an opportunity loss, and it, it definitely seemed like it wasn't being managed to me. Uh, you know, this is one of the things I get, I get kind of pissed off. They should have somebody like, like you, Josh, that's on the, <laughs> on the headset loop that is, like, aware of game management situations like that. And the wind has got to be one because it's always the same case in Buffalo in terms of there's an advantage side and a disadvantage side. And somebody should have been on the thing to say basically, hey, we got nine seconds on the game clock or actually, you know, it was like 23 and 18 or something when they were just kind of working to get lined up for the play. Somebody should have said something and say, hey, you don't have to run a play here. You know, the wind advantage will come back in one play uh, if you don't want to. And then, yeah. and uh, especially, I, I was gonna, I was thinking back. When's the last time they played in Buffalo? Maybe they're just not used to it. But they were just in Buffalo twelve months ago. That, that's they right. Definitely have been on top of that. Very windy game then too. I, I don't know if the if it was exactly the same, but in that game, I remember Allen had a lot of trouble on the deep ball with the ball sailing on him, which is not dissimilar to to what was happening in this game. Right. I, I, in some ways, I don't really know how to judge either the offense of the Ravens or the offense of the Bills from this game because they held the Bills to 4.8 yards per pass play, which seems good. And then you realize what's going on with the wind and all, and you really wonder, how good is that? It still seems good. You know, obviously, the Bills didn't have any interceptions, uh, didn't turn the ball over at all. There was you know, one sack, a strip sack that, that didn't get recovered. So one of the questions we are seeing on Twitter constantly right now and it's twitter is not the only place but twitter message boards national pundits blah 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 do the ravens need a new offensive coordinator is the question on everybody's mind steve smith obviously had some comments about it give me your thoughts on the matter uh so i i guess it's be careful what you wish for mm-hmm. um, it's 
Greg Roman has built a fantastic offense. Yes, there are some problems with it, but they're not all Roman's problems. Uh, we can go in and we can find past plays, past designs that maybe could be improved. We can go in and we can watch plays where Lamar isn't making the read. He's not making the throw when he makes the read. Uh, we can find the offensive line not blocking well. We just spent uh, quite, a, quite a bit of time talking about how awful of a, of a game they had. Uh, so you have this great situation. You've made the playoffs two years in a row. You've won 30 of 37 games. Mm -hmm. You can throw that away and say, we want to go get something else. But I would lean toward not changing what you have and trying to fix it. I completely agree. I mean, they've got a Ferrari, and they now are basically wanting to throw it out because it's getting four miles per gallon less than they expected. Yeah, it's That's just what it's a, it's a it's a ridiculous request for a change. And I, I'm with you. I think that that a lot of the the route combination things that come up, it's usually. Have you ever noticed it's usually wide receivers, sometimes quarterbacks who are passers, who are the people who hate the Ravens offense. <laughs> But but the you know the Ravens offense has been the highest scoring offense in the entire National Football League since Roman has been here. I mean, and if you look at the talent on this team, I don't think anybody's out there arguing that it's a bunch of Hall of Famers who are out there on the field with Lamar. Lamar makes everybody on that offense better because the offense fits him like a glove so well. Yep, I, I agree with that. And I guess the the question I'd ask ask of you is should they add a piece is, is that something that would that would help uh you know lamar makes everybody around him better maybe you can get away with less talent around him uh and the downside of adding a piece is now you if you're adding a, a diva number one wide receiver that guy's going to want the ball and there aren't right. very many touches to go around yeah that's that's absolutely true that would be one of my problems in in, in doing that is there really are not a lot of touches to go around you can always add an offensive lineman if you think that's really what you need to get over the hump. And they'll be back with two tackles they really trust, Bozeman at left guard. They could add a, you know, if Quentin Nelson were available and, and you, know, you want to stick him at left guard or right guard either place, no problem. Go ahead and do that. Bozeman can move to the other guard spot if necessary, and you find a center however else you find a center from the available candidates. I don't have a problem if the if the greatest – offensive lineman interior is available to them at the proper time. Uh, I do have a problem if they reach for an offensive lineman. And so if they had, if they had gotten to that point in the draft last year and taken Cesar Ruiz, I would have been kind of upset about it because I thought he was a, he's the Michigan center that went to, I think new Orleans got him. When, who would they have, who would they not have gotten had they taken Ruiz? Uh, well, if, if, if he would have had to drop to 28 first, I think he went okay. at 24 and then obviously they wouldn't have gotten Patrick queen, queen. But I, but I thought either of them were kind of a reach at that point. It's you know it's uh, unfortunately uh, you know the inside linebacker market. If you want one, you you generally have to kind of reach a little bit because like quarterback, people want a three down unicorn linebacker and they're hard to find at that spot. Uh, you know, someone who potentially can be the signal caller. Absolutely, we hope All that right. comes true for Queen. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do hope it comes through for Queen in a sense. I, I kind of like Chuck Clark having it. I think he's better at it than Queen would be. I mean, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want Queen directing the field right now for the Ravens, frankly. And you know, we had this, we had the discussion on the defensive show last night of of when they had the two lined up against three in the red zone for the for the first for the second and three play that wound up being the wide receiver screen touchdown. Yes. Yeah. So 
Queen could have been a guy who would have been the glue there and moved over and just said, okay, I'll take this responsibility. But you got to realize Queen is not that guy right now. He has a lot of trouble with his own responsibilities, and he's not going to fix somebody else not doing their job at this point in his career. And I think you want that out of your defensive signal caller. And, you know, it's, I, I hope that Queen can get there. I hope he can, you know, become a more effective contributor to the defense. I think it's more likely that Clark is going to stay kind of a step ahead of him for all the years they play together on the Raven. I think it's, Ravens, I think it's unlikely prior to Clark leaving the team that he'll give up those defensive signal calling responsibilities based on how well it's gone so far. I, I could see that. I, I guess uh, I'm hopeful for a big jump from Queen in this offseason. Get him a... Yeah. Give him some time to study. Uh, yeah. He's pretty young, right? And he hasn't played very much, so he's very green. Right. What would you what would be your off season thoughts? A positional coach? Somebody who, you know, I, I assume it would not be Ray Lewis, but some other, you know, highly thought of linebacker guru who could take care of him? I think that'd be good. Uh, really really I think Again, this is not an area where I'm very knowledgeable, but the, the thing that I think Queen needs more than anything is reps, reps, reps. And mm-hmm. if those are digital reps where he's watching film with somebody that can show him what's going on, show him what, what he should be looking for, um, if those are physical reps out on the field uh, with, with a like you say, a well-respected former linebacker that can coach him through what he should be doing, what he should be looking for, anything like that. Right. They, so... You know, there's there's two types of things. There's two ways where he's falling short. Number one is in terms of really grasping what his responsibilities are as a coverage guy. He obviously, you know, Crawford always makes the point to me, Michael, that asking him to understand what's going on behind him is too much. That that's something you know that that comes later to inside linebackers. And so we we know he's not there yet in that way. But the other thing is tackling. And I don't know how you can do that in terms of reps in the off season. I mean, obviously they must have some sort of tackling um what do you think the mechanical rolling devices that the ravens bought about four of you know what i'm uh, talking about I, I know what you're thinking of but yeah. i don't know what they're called yes I, I don't know that they have really a name but they're tackling dummies and and so they could they could get something like that to try and simulate tackling for him but i mean he's had problems with that and and that's something he needs to learn how to tackle with his shoulders he needs to learn how to wrap better than he has been so far and and figure out how to how to get that right if if he comes in and and has a 16 and a half percent missed tackle rate again i don't know that he is likely to take another step forward yeah, meaning I, I, think, I'm, yeah. I think if he shows up and has another season like this season next year he's he's probably not getting the playing time he's getting this year you know mm-hmm. to start thinking about putting board in there putting someone else right yeah, I agree. I, th- I think it would be it would be tough for them to, to to stick with it. But hopefully, hopefully anyway, this is the off season. He makes a, a jump like Jackson did between your eighteen and nineteen, in between twenty and twenty one for him, and all of a sudden becomes that stud linebacker we want him to be. Well, we're talking about the offense, of course, as you know. Um, I, I do want to talk about other skill position players. Is there anybody you'd like to talk about from this game that was exciting to you, or we didn't really hit on in our discussion so far? Oh, um, I. I have a lot of memory. I have a, a good memory for bad plays. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that I have too many good memories from this game. I, I guess if I had to pick one, it's it's Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really. If we if if you had gone back to week ten and told me that Hollywood was going to have, uh, what do you have? Almost 200 yards in two playoff games, 15 catches, something like that. I I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, he he really showed up when he needed to, and the offense changed itself in a way to help him. I think. 
that they they really focused on getting him involved in ways that they weren't early in the season. Yeah, lots of good things from Hollywood, and I thought coming back for the football, him, you know, n- having that better mental connection that he's had with Lamar for most of the season, where he broke to an open spot on the field when the pocket was getting extended, in particular, was good. I think one of the one of the long third downs, maybe a third and fifteen, a third and eighteen. After they had had that miserable series of plays and they still got a first down, which, by the way, another point where I thought the Bills are going to be demoralized by this, at least. (laughs) Um, uh, But no, that was not to be. Uh, That that was a point where uh, Brown early made a great break back on the football uh, to catch it. Uh, He had others during this game. And obviously, it would have been really nice to have him break free. It was still, it was probably less than a 60% chance that he was going to catch that ball, but you had to feel like out of the hands if you'd seen the the oh. distance between him and that that defensive back that it was a pretty good chance for a catch and then a pretty good chance after that for a touchdown yeah i think if you're talking about the huntley pass in the fourth yeah. quarter right yeah i think that's you know, an undrafted free agent quarterback who, who doesn't hasn't gotten a lot of reps put more air under that one i think you got a guy breaking 10 yards past yeah, the problem was with that wind, oh, with putting, wind, putting yeah. more air on it would have just taken another 10 yards. <laughs> it's, uh, anyway, it was what it was. But I, I don't know if you if you think of it that way, but that's always the way I think of it, Down is like, what's the chance of him making the catch? And then what's the chance of him, you know, making it in such a way that he can get a significant amount of yak after it? Um, but that, that was a case where, you know, obviously could could things could have worked out both ways. I like it a lot more when Lamar throws to a big open part of the field, but that was plenty open that there was, you know, there was room for him to make the catch in a fairly wide radius there. And, uh, and you know, the ball was just, it was, it was overthrown and it was mostly overthrown because of the wind. Yeah. All right. Uh, I did want to talk specifically about Ricard. I thought he, he really did not have a very good game and it's unfortunate that this happens at this time because his usage has been way up. The last game of the regular season, the first game of the playoffs, he had, I think, 100 combined snaps. And, and I know you would count it as a few more because of, you add in the penalties as well as that. So uh, really using him more than they ever had. They'd been incorporating him. I hear you, I hear you looking it up right now. Yep. But it, <laughs> incorporating him in the passing game the way they did, I thought was reminiscent mm-hmm. of Ovi Mihaly in 2006 and how you know he hadn't done anything as a receiver. And then all of a sudden he makes one big catch against Tennessee and now he's a big focal part of the Ravens offense down the stretch yeah so I, I did look it up he, he had 130 snaps in the in the final three games uh, 130 like and how much how many of that were against the Bills oh, only 30 because right. of the that's game a, so it's they, 100 that's what I've got yeah. for the oh, okay. previous two. I see, I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a throwback Obi Muhaley that's uh yeah yeah, Ovi Mahaley had, I think, two career catches before that big game at Tennessee, and then all of a sudden he had 20 catches the rest of that season. And, and that Tennessee game obviously had a big comeback from down 26-7, to seven, uh, and Mahaley had the, the touchdown to set that off. But, uh, it, that, that record, that, that, it was like a 30-yard touchdown pass, I believe, there. It wasn't broken until Juszczyk did it, and uh, Mahaley was very happy to talk about that at that point. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just say I so. He remembered it well, yeah. Uh, okay, well, it's, I think that's enough of the individual players. We obviously talked about Andrews and, and Dobbins. Some we went through that. Tough game for Dobbins. A couple of big drops, obviously, in this one. Missed block. That's bad. You can understand kind of why he was feeling bad at the end of the game. But, you know, he wasn't the only one who let the Ravens down in this one, and he certainly had a great year. Absolutely. Uh, to, to both those points, this team doesn't – I don't think this team 
I'm not sure this team makes the playoffs if Dobbins doesn't break out down the stretch. Uh, and a lot of people struggled on the offense on on Saturday. I I, I think you I think you would struggle to find someone who didn't uh, didn't struggle. Right. And, Everybody had their had their problems at at some point. Even you know the offensive lineman who scored okay. I I would agree. Um, let's uh, toss it over, to Mr. Shroka here. Do you have any uh, mailbag questions for us? Hey guys, it's Mike. As you know, I adopted my pup Rocky from a local rescue. Now, when people ask me what kind of dog Rocky was, I was always stumped. I used an Embark Dog DNA test to decode my most puzzling questions about Rocky. You can also learn about your dog's inner secrets with Embark, the highest-rated dog DNA test. Unlock over 350 breeds and screen for over 200 genetic health risks. Save $50 on a breed and health kit with promo code KIT at EmbarkVet.com. Again, that's promo code KIT. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely got some mailbag stuff in here. Uh, some some we've covered, so I'm going to just kind of get through it. Uh, first up, the crowd noise. McCary made a comment that part of the problem with snapping was the crowd noise and having to go to the silent snap. Uh, because of COVID this year, do you think the Ravens didn't prepare for a crowd noise? You know, it's, it is possible they weren't practicing. They often have the music really blaring when they're doing 11-on-11s uh, during practice. So it's, it would not be uncommon for them to, to have a lot of noise there. Uh, you know, we heard from Collinsworth and from others that the, that the fans are making lots of noise. The one thing I'll say about this is when you're wearing a mask, it's really hard to make a lot of noise. You have to have mechanical noisemakers. Otherwise, it was cold as hell there, so I don't think people were clapping. But well, I did see people beating on the th- seats. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot of beating on the seats. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of noise that way. Um, and even if they did it in practice, they haven't had any games right. with, with noise this season. What do you think, Josh? All right. Well, first I have a question. So how, how does going silent make you inaccurate? on your snap <laughs> like I, I can understand false starts i can understand procedural penalties like that but how does right how not does, the over the head <laughs> yeah how does how does sound make you miss miss your target so so that that maybe explains bozeman's false start but it doesn't explain the the miss snaps yeah that's that's a great point and and i i, I with what bakary was doing with his fingers I thought the diagnosis was on the money that he couldn't really feel the football the way he's been used to feeling the football. Yeah, I, I buy that a lot more than the, the crowd noise angle. <laughs> All right, yeah, crowd noise sounds like an easy excuse. All right, when Tucker had his second field goal attempt, uh, what was the win-loss probability of going for it on fourth down? Should they have gone for it? What was it, fourth and what? I think fourth and three on the second one. So I, I looked this up. There's a great Twitter bot out there run by Ben Baldwin, who is the guy who makes who runs NFL Fast R. Um, he has a Twitter bot that will uh, tweet out on certain fourth downs. And for this one, uh, it showed that there was not very. It was a toss up. You could you could kick or you could go for it. But one thing that's important to keep in mind is that that bot doesn't account for wind. Right. So I, I think that was probably a situation where, given the earlier miss. 
and uh, given the wind, maybe you need to go there. There, were, there was not a lot of time left in the half at that point. So it was fourth and three, but it was also like fourth and three with 20 seconds left or something, right? Uh, so I, I can, it was fourth and three from the 28-yard line. It was the second quarter with 10.51 remaining. 10.51. Oh, the second miss, right? This isn't the make. Okay, sorry about yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and the uh, and the earlier one, do you happen to know the fourth and six? Because that really had me bothered also that the that the that the make percentage might have been low enough to make it. But you're if you're saying a fourth and three is a toss up, then a fourth and six is not gonna be a toss up uh, at that point in the game. Oh, that's Buffalo one one second. I gotta find the So the, end of the were, first drive. There were a number of these from the game, so mm-hmm. Notably, I, I think there were a lot of punts, and uh, this is a general tr- trend with fourth down in the league. Is there's a lot of fourth downs where you should go forward and you're not. Sure. Um, the fourth and eight in quarter one, it, again, it's not accounting for wind, it, it gave about two percentage points to the field goal. It said you're plus two if you kick. Okay. But, and so but, with wind. Yeah, I, I don't know how to adjust for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think even Justin Tucker knew how to adjust for that. I think he was surprised by the results. That's, well, that's, we had the rest, right guest on for this question, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> that's well, fantastic. <laughs> Ju- Justin Tucker, I love watching Justin Tucker when he misses because he's always surprised he misses. Yeah, his, his facial expressions are, it should 100% be in, and anything else is unacceptable. I, I think he said after the game that he can usually tell off the foot when he's missed and when he's made it, and he, for he both thought, of them, he thought they were both going in. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, that's something I think just like the uh, going for the uh, extra point or the two points, I think as analytics come out, we're going to see football change in that direction. And and some teams we already are seeing it, and then some teams we're not. Uh, Like like the Tennessee Titans last week. Oh, that was. uh, Right. And then in the other direction, the Chiefs on Sunday, fourth and one with Henny, and they throw to win the game. All right. Kurt Warner, Steve Smith all uh, kind of attacked the Ravens and their route tree. Dominique Foxworth's Twitter said the problem with the Ravens passing attack is the Bills want to play zone to guard against the Lamar scramble, but the Ravens are only running a three-man route, and it's hard for the Ravens to challenge six or seven guys in coverage with only a tight end, a wide receiver, and a running back. Anything else to add to the routes and how they the passing game here? I mean, I, I, the only thing I'll say is it is possible to attack zone sequentially, meaning you send three initially, you send another one after a chip block. So there are, are alternatives for doing that. The only thing I want to say about about uh, both Steve Smith and Warner is you can find examples to prove anything you want to. But I want, you know, the guys who are making these claims and certainly the guys who are making the decisions on who the Ravens keep with their offensive coordinators – better be looking at the whole body of work instead of just three particular plays where two receivers are within five yards of each other. Absolutely. And I, I will probably end up charting how many receivers go out on routes for each play to check this claim. I think that there were not many plays with only three receivers out. Uh, I, I would I would yeah. want Dominic Foxworth to show his, show his work on that. Right. I, I have that number for you guys. Uh, they, had, they used three set blockers on one, two set blockers two chip blockers and we're not I don't know if we're counting that or not but that cuts down on the route tree two more set blockers I'm, uh, I'm good with two chips because I think on that two chip right. play they both end up in the flat and they're both wide open that's that's probably true so there are only three plays the entire game where they kept where they used a 
quote unquote max protect package with two set blockers or more. Out of 40 snaps, that's that doesn't 41, seem like yeah. a problem to me. So All there's, right. there's a spike in there, so I, I'm throwing that out. All right. Um, lots of uh, lots of negativity, and you talked about Roman and uh, whether we should replace. Is it Roman's fault or John Harbaugh's fault that we made it to the playoffs again and didn't win? How about it's nobody's fault because we play all good teams in the playoffs. And, and you know, these, this is a tough out for anybody to go to Buffalo, win under these crappy conditions in the win. It's a very tough out for a, a, an offense built the way the Ravens are. Is it a structural problem that the Ravens are going to have trouble with weather in January period? I don't know. I mean, they, they were a more re- wind-resistant team with Flacco. What do you think, Josh? I'm in the same, exact same boat. There's uh... – there's no blame to be placed here. Uh, NFL, you get 14 teams in the playoffs now, right? All but one of them go home unhappy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty hard to be that one. And uh, we we mentioned this earlier. You can you can uh, get rid of your Ferrari because it's not quite doing everything you want. But you might have to be happy with uh, less performance in the future. Right. And if you look at, by the way, at, at the great quarterbacks of all time, I mean, Peyton Manning is something like 14 and 13 in the playoffs, and Drew Brees is either 10 and 9 or 10 and 10. He's not, he's not a super impressive record. If you're not Tom Brady, you don't have a great playoff record of all the quarterbacks from 2000 and on. The only exception to that is Joe Flacco. The only exception. Yes, as Aaron Rodgers tied his record yeah. over the weekend for straight games with two-plus touchdowns. Uh, Raven fans are really spoiled and don't understand it mm-hmm. because uh, Lamar led this team three years in a row into the playoffs. And there's many teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars down here that are never in the playoffs. You're not becoming a closeted Jaguars fan. No, but I know lots of them. Mm-hmm. And they're all super excited about Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. And so I'm learning all these stats, like all the coaches that they've had down here, they've only got had one coach that has ever had a winning record. At uh, Del Rio? Uh, probably so. I don't know. But right. so I'm learning that it's it's fun because I can relate to Jaguar fans because of the Baltimore Orioles. Huh. Oh. And it, so I'm learning that Raven fans are very spoiled. And uh, we expect the Super Bowl every year. Yeah. And uh, to, to Ken's point, he, he mentioned Brady, but to tie this back to Harbaugh, if it weren't for Belichick, who's won six Super Bowls in 20 years mm-hmm. and playoffs all but two, all on and on and on. If it weren't for Belichick, Harbaugh, that would be Harbaugh. Harbaugh would be the, the top guy. The guy, yeah. If, if Harbaugh coached 20 years ago, you'd be pointing at, hey, John Harbaugh won five straight playoff games to open his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, or five straight while, went to the playoffs five straight years, won a game in each one. Uh, he has eight playoff appearances in 13 seasons or something like that. It, our, our view is skewed because the Patriots have been this ridiculous dynasty over the last 20 years, right. 20 seasons. Right. And, 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 and there would be other guys. Andy Reid would be in the discussion and even Tomlin would be in the discussion to some way, but you're right. It would be Harbaugh. And, and, and I don't understand. There's still people now out there today. And I understand the frustration. I understand there's nobody else to point to. And in some ways you can't blame the players, but Harbaugh, you really want to fire Harbaugh now? That's uh that's my nightmare. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> No, look at all the other teams that are quickly rotating through and have had many more head coaches over the time we've had one. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, it's definitely a what have you done for me lately, and let's even forget that you won one playoff game this year. 
So and one the, the more, games one more get tougher. Point along that because somebody asked me a question about what Harbaugh's level of safety was, and and my own feeling is that he's basically reached a Walter Alston level of safety with this team. Now, to tell the story for people who are under the age of 50, Walter Alston <laughs> managed the um, Dodgers for 23 straight years on 23 consecutive one-year contracts. And that was a different era, obviously, so it wouldn't be done that way today. But he always felt that job security, and he had, ended up retiring on his own at the end of that period. Um, Harbaugh, I think, has that kind of relationship with Bishotti. I think they understand where they are. I'm not saying it couldn't get twisted on it on its back somehow, but with Lamar Jackson playing here, I think Harbaugh will probably, probably ride out this coaching tenure, not only as long as he wants, but quite possibly into the Hall of Fame as well. All right, let's get out of here with Mark Ingram who tweeted tonight, thank you, Mr. Bashadi and the Ravens for being a first-class organization. Uh, he then went on about thanking the fans, so we're assuming this means that tomorrow he will officially be released. Sad to see him go. Great player. Obviously, great teammate, great leader on the sideline. Um, it, it's time. Yeah, I, I agree that they have, with Dobbins, with Edwards, uh, they, they don't need Ingram anymore. and They need the money. Uh, and to, to flip this back to, to Ingram, he thanked the Ravens for being professional. I want to thank him for being professional. He came in here. He signed a three-year deal. He was expecting to be the guy for at least two of them. Uh, it didn't work out that way. But when they asked him to sit down, he had no problem with it. He was on the sideline. He was pumping up Dobbins. He was still he was still the same guy, even when he wasn't dressing. You're 100% right. And boy, could he have been a sulking, diva, wide receiver as well. But you know, I feel like he's always like carrying a mic around. And they do have him mic'd up a fair amount. But like he, he's almost like always a sideline reporter, even when he's just there. Going around from player to player, how oh, how are you feeling here, kind of thing. Yeah, definitely going to miss that. Does Ingram still have stuff left in the tank? You know, will he sign somewhere? I think there's there's maybe a chance. I, I think it's probably less likely. I think he's he's the kind of guy I would think would have some kind of a role in broadcasting as a as a possibility, or might look into that anyway, given all the personality he brings to things. It might be at a local level or it might be at a national level, either one. But I, I, I'm not 100% convinced that he'll be back as a player, certainly. Uh, I'd assign some percentage to it, but not, not 100. I think he wants to play, and I think he'll try. Uh, I, I don't think he'll go right to broadcasting here. But 31-year-old running backs don't get signed. We, we could look up how many went unsigned for eight weeks this year until injuries. All right, all right, Josh. Uh, what can we let's plug your Twitter handle again, and then any if there's anything else you want to plug. Yeah, it's just at Yoshi twenty fifty two. Only things, only things that I, I would want to plug. Uh, if you want to learn to scrape, if you want to get into football data, come see me on Twitter. Uh, send me a message. I'm happy to help out. If you have questions, uh, it's tough during the season. Ken can confirm how tough it is to you know do things that aren't on your schedule during the season. But the only thing I'll confirm is you are the absolute best reference to answer any kind of question that involves research. You are the guy I go to. I appreciate that. Um, but now the season's over, I have a lot of time. If you want to come ask a question that you want an answer to, that is a lot easier for me in the off season than during the season. All right. And then, Ken, uh, no Know Your Foe this week. We will have a By the Numbers, and you've got plenty of content up on the website right now. Yes, the, the offensive, sorry, the defensive article is out. The offensive article will be coming on Wednesday, and uh, you'll get a chance to see that. And then I guess this pod is out, and it's now Tuesday, right? 
Right? Yes, yes, it is Tuesday now. <laughs> By the time this is edited and out, it's Tuesday. Okay, now one shout out to listeners out there. A lot of people have asked me during the season about getting on for a film study short. We're going to be starting those up again. I will get you on a list if you have anything you'd like to talk about specifically. Also, I'm interested in finding people who have a strong uh, love of the college scouting to do a single position review. So if you're up for either of those elements, uh, either doing a film study short or a single position review for scouting, uh, send me a message on Twitter and we'll get you on the program right away. All right, that's great. And uh, like I said yesterday, now that we're leading into baseball season, check out Section 336 as there's a brand new episode up there and a brand new website for Section336.com if you want to get ready for the Orioles. All right. All right, guys. Well, we will talk again soon. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.